what was the early church like? This morning I want to talk to you about characteristics of the early church. What is the early church? When I refer to the early church, I'm referring to the first century church. The book of Acts is the actions of the first hundred years of the church. The book of Acts starts out, of course, Jesus goes into heaven. You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you in heaven, so so come in like manner, you see him going to heaven. That's uh, chapter 1, verse 11. So it starts out with Jesus leaving. And man, that, that'd shake me. If I, was, if I would have been the apostles, I'd have been, I'd have been shaken to the bone. Our leader's going, our leader's going. But there's a God in heaven. I love the song. You didn't know that Chris was going to preach about the Holy Spirit when you chose that song, but God did. That song went perfectly with a Sunday school class. There's a God in heaven that's orchestrating all this. You believe it? But the early church, we need to look at it because after all, they were so close to the cross. And they had the apostles as their leader. Now, what was an apostle? Apostle had to be specifically chosen by Jesus. You don't make yourself an apostle. Apostle has to be chosen by Jesus. And you have to be taught one-to-one by Jesus Christ. And you were given special miracle-working abilities as an apostle. uh, Paul said, the signs of an apostle I did among you. Uh, there's going to be 12 apostle names on the foundations of New Jerusalem. And I think Paul is going to be one of them. Now, you may argue with that when I get there. I'll find out, right? But I know there's, I know the 11 of them for sure. And then Paul, we don't know because Judas Iscariot was never part of that group, really. He was always never part of it. Jesus knew who he was. But eventually he has 12 apostles. You say, well, maybe it's the book of Acts where they Mattathias or something. I don't think so. I think that was the church choosing the next apostle, but the church can't choose an apostle. Jesus has to choose the apostle. And Paul said, I'm an apostle born out of due season. I mean, stillborn. But yet he was an apostle. Chosen on the road to Damascus by Jesus himself. Told him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. How encouraged would you be this morning if, if you, you got saved and Jesus whispered in your ear, I'm going to show you great things you're going to suffer for my name's sake. Don't be discouraged if you suffer for Jesus' sake. Don't be encouraged because God's blessing you and using you to help spread the name. But the early church, we need to look at it. It was close. God gave these folks some special miracle working power to propel them. After all, he basically told just a little handful of people, there were 120 in the upper room, 120 people in the upper room, that was less uh, there's, a, there's probably here and here, there's a couple hundred folks in here this morning, and uh, you know, 120 folks, small group. Go to the world and preach your gospel to every creature. Basically, win the world. Hello. That was big. So he gave them some miracle working power to propel them in the first century. They were facing insurmountable odds. Uh, he gave them special abilities and some of these powers. They needed to reach the known world of their day. Now remember, they were told to do that without any communication ability, transportation ability, or really educational ability. There were not many of the apostles that were educated much at all. 
When you've got the Holy Spirit of God and the power of God, education takes a back seat. We have deified education, and it's to our hurt. You can't overemphasize. Education is fine. It's wonderful. But it cannot take the place of the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God. That, that trumps it every time. And communication. Now, here we got everything in the world, don't we, communication-wise and transportation-wise. What in the world? We got, we got every kind of advantage in the world. We should easily be reaching our world for Christ. They were without all that. But yet they reached, as far as we can tell by history, they reached the entire Roman Empire and beyond, even the country of India and Africa, Asia, as far as we can tell, with the gospel. They literally turned the world upside down. At least that's what people said about them. Here comes the men who turned the world upside down. It was powerful. They did that in about 100 years, and we can learn from history. We can see some key characteristics of the early church and possibly by the grace of God, copy them, emulate them. We can keep from apostasy by comparing ourselves to them in the book of Acts. For there's a tendency in life to move away from truth. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? There's a tendency to move left. Yale used to be a good institution, Christ-centered institution. Harvard was a Christ-centered institution. What are they today? Oh, no. No, no. You can almost go back and every major institution. They say an institution only lasts no more than about 100 years in its original charter. Why is that? It's because we have a tendency to move left from generation to generation to generation. What a parent does in moderation, a child will do in excess. And that, that, of course, then what, that, what they do, what you consider excessive, what they consider moderation, and then their children do what they did in moderation, which you consider an excess in excess. How do you have that? But that's the process. It says in Proverbs 22, 28, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. It's important to pay attention to history. You say, well, history just teaches that history repeats itself. Yeah, not for everybody. I learn, I learn. I watched my, I was the youngest of three boys, and my, I watched my two older brothers get stupid, and I didn't copy them. I thought I learned from, from that. That was history, by the way, their actions. I thought I don't have to do what they do. I don't have to make those mistakes that they make. I see them making them. I don't want to make them. When we look at the book of Acts, we say the same thing. So three major characteristics that I want to go over here this morning real quickly. The early church, and you're going to be surprised by these. The early church was an intolerant church. The early church was an intolerant church. What do I mean by this? Because intolerant, the word intolerant is almost like a cuss word in our society, isn't it? I mean, you would even think it to be almost like an unpardonable sin to be intolerant. And here's what's funny. The left will not tolerate the intolerant. They call us intolerant, but they won't tolerate us. That's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? Emphasis on the moron. I've never seen a more intolerant, hateful group of people than the left. Yet they, of course, like the devil, the devil is he's a deceiver of the whole world. 
And the way he does his deception, he just calls you what he is. They're calling us what they are. We're intolerant. No, we're not. We're, we're very tolerant folks. We believe in the Constitution of the United States to be a good document. We believe that First Amendment, you can say what you want to say. We're not going to throw you in jail. But the left will not tolerate intolerance, but the early church was intolerant. It's been said that liberals lack clarity while fundamentalists lack charity. These are two extremes we want to stay away from. We want charity and we want clarity. The early church was intolerant of any other way of salvation but through grace by faith, repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living Christ, the Son of the living God. They were intolerant of any moving away from the plan of salvation and the way they learned it. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, the book of Acts, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Uh, these folks that are trying to tell you there's many roads to heaven, they're lying to you. The early church wouldn't have put up with that. They won't put up. There's not many roads to heaven. There's one road to heaven. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. What part about that seems to be fuzzy? And so many other places in the Bible that show the exclusivity of Christianity. Now, you may wish there were other ways to go to heaven. You may want other ways to go to heaven, but the early church would not tolerate any other way but, but, but Jesus because it was Jesus' word. And to, to move away from that is calling basically Jesus a liar. They were intolerant of any compromise of the purity of the gospel, period. Romans chapter 16, verse 17, 18. Take your Bibles. You got your Bibles, your cell phones, whatever. Now, if you're playing games on your cell phone, I've instructed the person beside you to grab the cell phone out of your hand and throw it in the aisle. And by the way, girls, please find your cell phones and turn them off as far as the volume goes. Uh, somebody was telling me today their cell phone went, somebody's cell phone went off in church, I think, and the song they were playing was Highway to Hell. It'll get you. It'll get you. You listen to that kind of music. You'll forget about it, and we'll find out about it. Highway to Hell. Romans chapter 16, verse 17, 18. I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the what? The word doctrine is truth. It's the teaching of truth, which ye have learned and avoid them. You're to mark them and avoid them. People have come to me and said, Brother Bill, if I preach it against homosexuality, you're never going to win the homosexual. By preaching against immorality, you're never going to win the immoral. By preaching against adultery, you're never going to win the adulterer. You're wrong on that. You're wrong on that. Because that's not what the Bible says. Oh, hellfire damnation preaching against sin is what it takes to get those people saved. Because until you realize you're a sinner, unable to save yourself, and to stand before God condemned, why do you even need a Savior? Why would you come to Jesus? Verse 18, for they are such that serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words, oh yeah, by good words, fair speeches, deceive the heart of the simple. 
Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, not after the tradition which you received of us. They were an intolerant church. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 14, 15. If any man obey not the Net not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. You count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. They were an intolerant church. Second Timothy chapter three, verse five. Now, if you if you had the time to go back and read verses one through four, you would read those are in the last time, perilous, perilous times shall come, and men will be lovers of themselves, and all these other things that it lists. And it says that those folks having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. They were an intolerant church. Titus chapter 3, verse 9 through 11, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they're unprofitable and vain. A man that is a heretic, the word heretic simply means to go too far. After the first and second admonition, reject. Do what? Reject. Knowing that he that is, is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. The early church was an intolerant church. It was intolerant of sin being practiced in its midst. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, if you have the chance to turn to 9 through 13. There was a man there that was committing immorality, open immorality in the midst of the church. And the church was not doing anything about it. They weren't doing a thing about it. They were just like being quiet about it because that's the easy way. It's easy for me to be quiet. It's easy for me to ignore it. It's easy for me, it's easy for me as a preacher just to say not much about it or not, just to say nothing about it. But that's not what the early church did. No, no. They were intolerant about sin in their midst. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I wrote unto you an epistle not to company with fornicators. Go to verse 11. But now I have written unto you not to company, not to keep company of any man that is called a brother. Be a fornicator, or covetous, or idolater, or railer, or drunkard, or extortioner. And, he, and if that isn't enough, with such, somebody that's in sin, and know, and one, and such an one, know not to eat. Don't go out to breakfast with them. Don't go out to lunch with them. Don't go out to supper with them. For what have I to do to judge them that are without? Do I not judge them that are within? And I know people quote to me the, their favorite Bible verse, judge not lest you be judged. But the Bible, all scripture needs to be compared with itself. The Bible is one book, not just one verse of a book. Verse 13, but them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. What he's saying is we can't judge the fornicators of this world, the idolaters of this world, the drunkards of this world. Uh, what, what do we have to do with them? But when somebody comes into the local church and says, I want to be saved, and I'm a sinner and unable to save myself, and I want Christ as my Savior, I believe he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe he was God manifest in the flesh. I believe he did die on the old rugged cross and shed his blood, and the third day God broke the bands of death and pulled him out of the, he broke, in fact, he did it himself, pulled himself, death, death could not conquer him. He destroyed the works of the devil. And he made a plan that whosoever will may come. If you'd have faith, repentance and faith, you could be saved. Repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, book of Acts chapter 20. You can be saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves a gift of God, 
A gift can't be earned and is not deserved necessarily, right? And I know salvation is not. So, man, he gave all that to us. When somebody gets saved, comes in and puts themselves together with a local church, says, I'm a born-again believer, and then begins to do the things of the world, we can't remain silent. If you want to be like the first century church, you have to be intolerant of sin in your midst. Now, that doesn't mean you, you treat them as an enemy, but you admonish them as a brother. And if I see Brother Gillespie uh, uh, stealing something, you know, or if I see him doing something wrong, if I love the brother, I'm going to go to him as, as a brother, one-to-one. Uh, this goes back to Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 17, Jesus' instruction on how to judge in the church. And I go to him first quietly, and I say, Brother Tom, I saw you pick up something the other day. When the offering plate went by, you made change. If I love him, I'm going to help him. I'm not going to be quiet about it. Well, I don't like controversy. I'm the kind of person that doesn't like controversy. That doesn't excuse not obeying the word of God. The early church was an intolerant church about that. I don't have time to go through Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. The early church was not inclusive but exclusive. It never tolerated sin to win the sinner, but condemned sin to convict the sinner. It never compromised with the devil to get a crowd of people, but followed Jesus' example of speaking the truth in love, but speaking the truth. Don't let love cause you to stop speaking the truth. Amen? If you love somebody, you tell them the truth, the whole truth. Nothing but the truth, so help you God. Amen? If I, if, you come, if I come up to you one day and you see something on my nose, the most nasty thing on my nose, and you just let me walk by, you don't love me. I know the people that love me, they come up and say, Preacher, you need to go in the bathroom and look at yourself. Amen? That was hard for them to do that. It was not, I've had to do it to people. Uh, Brother Chris and Thomas and I have a covenant with each other that we will do that. If we, if we have bad breath, we'll tell each other. You got Your breath will stop a bull on a full charge. <laughs> I mean, stuff like that. But, you know, if you, you, got, you got to go back and look at yourself, brother. I mean, you know, we, 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 why? Because we love each other. If the church loves each other, they're, gonna re, they're not going to let somebody be out in sin without rebuking them and bring, trying to bring them first one to one, then maybe two to three to one, and then the whole church has to get involved in it. And we've had to do that here at the gospel, and it's uncomfortable, and it's unpleasant, and it's not happy, but we did it because we love people. And raising children is not easy either, but you do it because you love them. Bible says in Proverbs, you rebuke your child and you spank your child and you don't spare the rod. And if you do spare the rod, you don't love them, you hate them. Thank God for a parent I had that didn't mind sparing the rod. The early church was an intolerant church. Secondly, the early church was an unpopular church. Very unpopular. When the church condemned Ananias and Sapphira, what happened? Now, let me tell you the story if you don't know it. Ananias and Sapphira, every, the people in the church were selling what they had, some things that they had, not everything they had, but they were selling some things they had, and they were bringing it to the apostles, and, and 
the idea was that whatever I sold this for, I'm giving it to the apostles. That was what the deal was. Everything, what, if I sold this for $500, I'm going to give, I'm laying the $500 down, and I'm giving the whole amount. And that was so it could be distributed to the church. People were getting saved so fast, they couldn't handle it. They had 5,000 saved at one meeting, 3,000 saved at another meeting. It was just too many people, too quick. They didn't have any facilities, and they were, just, they were struggling to deal with people. And so the people, the people that had something were selling some of their property, coming to the church, saying, here's here's $1,000, here's $500, here's $10,000, here's $100,000, whatever. And that's the fire, of the, that's a man and a woman, a husband and wife, and they sell a piece of property, and they go to the apostles, and they sell, but, but they sold, let's just say a number, let's say they sold it for $10,000, but they said, and, and maybe I'm just going to give Sapphira the credit for this. She came to her husband and said, you know. We could really use a thousand dollars of that, and so Ananias, as a leader responsible for decision making, says, "Okay, honey. So we'll just give nine thousand, but we'll make out that that's the whole amount." They pre-agreed to deceive, basically, and make themselves look bigger than what they really were. Now you say, "Well, that's not that bad a sin." Well, they brought it to the disciples' feet, Ananias first, dropped, put it to the disciples' feet, and, and the Holy Spirit had already told Peter, they're lying. And he said, you're not lying unto men, you're lying unto God, if you read that passage there, first 11 verses. And he dropped dead. Doc, he probably had the big one. God brought him the big one, man. It was like, boom, and he went, dropped dead in front of him. Now, I, now Peter didn't do that. God did that. So you want to get mad? Get mad at God because he's the one that killed him outright. And then his wife a little later came by. Evidently, Ananias was supposed to show up somewhere, didn't show up. So she comes by and find out maybe he's still there. Maybe they're telling him how wonderful a guy is to give $9,000. Wow, we really could use the money. Wasn't that tremendous? She comes, and then, so Peter gives her a fair shake. How much did you pay for the land? How much did you sell? How much did you get when you sold this? And she tells him the same number he told her. So they had agreed together to lie and he said, you haven't lied to me, you've lied to the Holy Ghost. And she dropped, had the big one, boom, dropped dead. Telling you who's in control of having the big one. Now what happened? Well, if you look in verses 13 14, the book of chapter 5 of Acts, you see in the rest, the rest, that is the people around Durst, the word King James, durst no man join himself. They dared not to join himself to them, but the people, generally speaking, magnified them, and the believers, the ultimate end of it all, the believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women. So what do we learn from the passage of Ananias and Sapphira in the early church? First of all, you learn no one joined the church carelessly flippantly. There was a holy repulsion. They did not see how closely they could live to the world, but how closely they could live to God. Or try to attract the world in the early church. They didn't try to attract the world with, with the world's wicked central methodology that they use in their bars and their dance halls. They separated themselves from the world honestly, forthrightly, away from the things that displeased God that were in the world. They were intolerant of the world's 
sin. And consequently, the world respected them. Today, the church has no conscience. The church at large in America seems to have no conscience. The world mocks the local church that is using its, its sensual methodology. I've heard them. I've heard, I, you won't believe this, but I read the Rock and Roll magazine to get some of this stuff. They mock the local mega churches for using their music, their method, soundstage, their fog lights, their laser shows. That's not the church. The church did not invent that stuff. The world invented that stuff. For what? For their immoral, wicked concerts that they have, where they celebrate the God of alcohol and the God of cocaine and the God of lust and the God of wickedness and the God of nakedness, and they worship those things and love them and dwell them. And to bring those into the local church and, and try to wash them up a little bit with with some godly words or some Bible words does not do it. The church, early church would not tolerate that. They separated themselves from the things of the world, and that attracted people that were honestly wanting to, something different. They were honestly wanting to know God. Copying their dress and their junk is not the way to go. The sin-sick soul is looking for deliverance, not more of the same. We are to be holy and good, not Hollywood. Those sincerely seeking Jesus are attracted to the Lord Jesus, his holiness, his virtue, his truthfulness. Jesus repelled people. He repelled people. He knew he wasn't going to win the whole world. In fact, he said that narrow was the way and few be there to find it. He knew that broad was the way that leads to destruction. He knew when he talked to those multitudes, there were just going to be a few of them that would, would, would be attracted to him and believe in him. We got to quit as local fundamental Bible-believing churches worrying about the world and start worrying about where God is. Start being concerned what, what's pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we want. We want to please the Lord Jesus Christ with our music. We want to please the Lord Jesus Christ with our dress. We want to please the Lord Jesus Christ with our demeanor and our, and our way of life and our speech and really every part of it. The early church was an intolerant church. It was an unpopular church. Lastly, the early church was a sensational church. I mean, it was a sensational church. It had emotional responses generated from realized spiritual truth revealed by the Holy Spirit. Their emotions was from, were, were generated from the inside out. True biblical emotions are from the inside out. Now, we should not be emotionless as born-again believers. There's no virtue in being state, liturgical. There's no vertical. Vertical, that's a new word. There's no virtue 
in, in not saying amen. There's no virtue in, in, in keeping it all in. There's nothing wrong with saying glory to God, hallelujah, I've been saved. Now what happened is churches grew so, so state and so dry that there became an overreaction in America to wild emotionalism. I went to Haiti, as I told you before, and I observed voodoo. I, I, they have, you, you may think of voodoo being a dark, satanic spells, little dolls they put pins in, and that's all true. But what you may not understand about voodoo, it's a happy, happy, happy. Their services are happy, happy, happy. They get the drums going for drums. Just think of drums. They get the drums and they get this beat going and they, they start slow and they kind of they kind of have a they have a worship team. They do. They got a little worship team. They got these drums. And it takes a little while. About they got these little songs they sing, seven words they sing eleven times. And they and they got this drum, they keep it going, and the meat starts slow at the beginning, it gets a little stronger, a little stronger, a little more. Pretty soon they got the people up out of their seats dancing around. That's as much dance as you're gonna see me do. They got, they got them dancing around, and, and they, very soon they've, they've worked themselves up into a voodoo spiritual frenzy. I see that going on in mega churches, rock and roll churches. They have an outside-in approach to getting you excited. Let me tell you this. If you're born from above, if you're full of the Holy Ghost, if you care about God, and I talk to you about Jesus and his atoning blood and how you have your name written in the Lamb's book of life, the motions start welling up from the inside, the Holy Spirit out. The early church was sensational. They were, they, they were excited about their salvation. They were first generational. Don't you let your salvation get ho-hum. Hold back. Get excited about God. You get excited at football games, basketball games, all kinds of other stuff. But yet we'll come to church and not hardly give a, a holy grunt for God. I'm not talking uncontrolled emotionalism from the outside in. I'm talking Holy Spirit emotional Response from the inside out. And some, some people are going to, they haven't said amen in their history. And they're going to go to heaven someday. And when they see the, see all what God has prepared in New Jerusalem, they're going to shout for 100 years. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Happy day. Happy day. We don't want to become formally dead. The early church wasn't. They, 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 they sang the songs of deliverance from the bondage of sin. They were saved from the flames of hell. They sang uh, the, the old songs. Of, they sang their songs of Zion with emotions created from the inside out. Old Vance Hadmer, I don't know if you remember him, but Vance Hadmer said this, our civilization has been infected with a mild rash of Christianity that almost immunized it against the real thing. They become vaccinated against the truth. Let me say this, a mild dose of Christianity will hurt you. It's all in or not in at all. 
it'll immunize you against it. Some churches have been asleep so long, it's, that waking them up would be as remarkable as waking up Rip Van Winkle. For you that read. The early church was an intolerant church. The early church was an unpopular church. But the early church was a sensational church for God. I think we can be like that. I think we have some of that. We can be on fire for God. We can be all in for God. We can be pleasing to God. We can be excited about God. We wear t-shirts for God. We wear hats for God. We go door to door for God, bus minute for God, junior church for God. We're out after people. Why? Because we're excited about what God's doing for us. And you ain't seen nothing yet. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for a few minutes together this morning. Pray the power of God and the Holy Spirit would come, anoint. Anything said outside of your will, strike it from the minds of these folks. What has been said according to your will, my God, help them. Help us. Help me. Lord Jesus, pray that we'd be like that first century group of people so close to the cross. If there's somebody here without Christ this morning, you've been looking for something different. You've been looking for an answer. Christ is the answer. You've come to the right place. This is the right time. You can be saved today and have all your sins forgiven under the blood of Christ that's paid and the just penalty for everything you ever did wrong. You can know him, whom to know is life everlasting. Maybe you're here this morning. You say, Brother Bill, I just I lost the wonder of it all. Don't. Get it back. You can go get it back. God, revive me. That's what revival is. Give me the wonder of it all back. Give me the sensationalism of it all. Give me the Holy Ghost prompt and emotions of it all. For your honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.